Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1280 entitled Please Do Not Cough Into My Altered Carbon Sleeve. Ooh. <laughs> Our podcast title is Podnik in the Year Zero G. It's going back a long way for that movie pun. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are. Welcome to our apocalypse. Yes, exactly. We're in our little hub here, debt holed up. Listen, don't panic, my geek brethren. This is what we've been training for. <laughs> this is what all those streaming services were prepping us for, like having the options for when we've got to self-isolate. Yes, yes. Um, well, I, I think we'll play something calming. Yes, let's. To start with. And then we will bounce into, uh, uh, yeah, we'll just play something calming. The Good Place, the main theme, a piano rendition. Hey, this is Craig Charles, Dave Lister from Red Dwarf. You're listening to the London Jet Zero G football show. And what? Zero G? Science fiction show? Oh, smeg. Yeah, and then we had The Good Place... I thought a nice calming track here on Zero G today, the piano rendition from the Blue Notes. Now, we have an interview to conduct. So (laughs) next up, we're going to talk a little bit about a show called Voldemort and the Teenage Hogwarts Musical Parody. Now, it's a Theatre Works, Salty Theatre and Red Hot Productions um, vehicle. It's a one-hour show. It was originally written by Zach Reno, Fiona Landers, Richie Root and Scott Passarella. Uh, Now, it's been brought to Australia by Salty Theatre and it was for the Comedy Festival. More on that in a minute, obviously. Um, And today we are going to talk to the two founders of that company about the show and everything else happening right now. Uh, Sarah Louise and Ashley, are you there? We are here. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. No problem. (laughs) Um, Thank you for chatting with us today. Now, I think we do want to talk about your show. Obviously, we want to hear a little bit about you guys as well. But I guess let's tackle the elephant in the room first and talk Um, a little bit about your current situation. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, look, it's it's a stressful situation at the moment, if we're very, very honest. Mm. Um, And I think it's figuring out how to have the right response and do the right thing within a situation that you've never we've never been in um and being and i think now especially for artists um i'm I'm really hoping that the government will see that we're not just some sort of industry that uh just sort of exists and doesn't give anything to the community Mm. um and i hope that they do start to see that i think that's been the biggest dilemma is what do people do now with work absolutely yeah so I guess for a bit of context for those who aren't aware so obviously um this show is going to be presented as part of the comedy festival which has now been cancelled due to I mean I guess obvious reasons I think everyone is aware yeah um and yes so first off we are really sorry to hear about that cancellation um and there's been obviously a large um 
batch of things affected. So talk us a little bit through your experience. So you've heard about the cancellation. So kind of what does it mean for you guys? What, what's your sort of next steps? How does that work once you sort of hear that word that it's happened? Sure. So um, it was it was a stressful weekend. It was a sad weekend for many of us. Um, of course, we were disappointed, I think, as, as many artists were and, and many patrons and supporters of the festival were. Um, and it, it was just kind of that um, immediate response of, okay, we know that larger spaces are closing. The festival itself is shutting down. Um, we being uh, online here with Theatre Works, which is a, a smaller venue, 144-seat space, we thought, okay, <laughs> what are the next steps? We can go. Uh, we can go a couple of ways here, and um, we we really took the weekend to um, to chat with Theatre Works and to chat with our cast and everyone involved, and kind of take in stock what um, people were reaching out to us about, asking us if our show was still on, and hoping that it was, mm-hmm. and then and all of that, and and look, it's as as a as a company as a collective all of us theater works our cast our production team the staff kind of all came together and and decided for now as well as we can we'd like to continue to move forward with our production mm-hmm. we certainly certainly respect the decision and support the decision of the festival as a whole to shut down um but yeah, it, it was hard and we're still in that place where we go you know, we feel like this is the right step um, on our end, but we want to make sure that it is. So we're kind of taking it a day at a time um, mm-hmm. and checking in with everyone for probably every couple of hours. <laughs> with, yeah. with, with, um, the, with the production, obviously, you know, if it's postponed, postponed mm-hmm. doesn't mean finished. It means you can actually yes. rebuild at some stage, repitch it. Absolutely, and and that's that's the other things that we're looking at as well as we go forward. As of now, opening night is April 4th, but if that means we need to push it, we can regroup. And, and we hope, we truly hope that for, for many of the artists that were set up to be a part of the comedy festival, that they will be able to do the same. And it's not just a cancellation of all these shows. And, and all this income, so many artists depend on the comedy festival to support themselves and their families. So, it's really a tough time. It really is. There's no blueprint for this, is there? No. Yeah. It's pretty unprecedented. And, yeah, it sounds like it's a um, very stressful time. With the with, yeah. with the show, let's 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 talk about the actual show because there mm. is, you know, look, comedy sh- festival shows uh, run from one festival to another, and quite often on zero G, we've had them loop back after a couple of years. So eventually, okay. eventually, I I reckon this show will will come up up again. So let's talk about the actual show. Mm. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Tell um, us a little bit, I think, maybe as well into uh, sort of the preparations that go into putting a show like that together because I think it's always good to know about kind of the background and all the work that goes in before the actual kind of showtime. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, right now we're in the fourth day of rehearsal. So, I mean, just to get to this point, we've been prepping the show from, uh, I think it was September of last year. We were actually in doing Top Gun the Musical, which was one of our last shows for Melbourne Fringe, and we were prepping this show back then in September. Mm-hmm. Um, so this show um, was originally 
shown in LA. Was it in in, in, first in LA? It had a really great season there, which seems rather odd for Harry Potter, but uh, you know, obviously Harry Potter is universally loved. Mm-hmm. And then um, that cast went and did this at Edinburgh Festival, sold out, um, did really, really well. Did it again. Um, has now on their fourth tour, I believe. So they're they're just finishing up their third tour and they're about to go into their fourth tour in September of the UK. But now, who knows? You'd never know if that's mm-hmm. going to happen now based on what's happening. Um, but, yeah, it was just um, basically the show um, was just a great way to kind of delve into Slytherin. <laughs> um, I'm a very proud Slytherin. Um, nice. I don't know if... It's like being a director if you have to be a Slytherin person. But, um, uh, yeah, it was just a really great way. And I think the show is brilliant for people who are not intense Potter nerds mm-hmm. but still have grown up with it in this nostalgic way. So it sort of almost takes a bit of a jab at um, Harry Potter, but at the same time having everything that we love there, like, oh, isn't that a little bit ridiculous? But also isn't that adorable and how ridiculous it is? So, ah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the questions I had as well. I mean, I guess obviously I like, I definitely like the idea of delving a bit more into the Slytherin stuff. What mm, is yeah. some of the things, I mean, Harry Potter obviously is a pretty big vehicle in its own. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. But what, <laughs> what were some of the elements that drew you to the show? That, Like what was appealing about its take on, on the Harry Potter world? Um, for me, um, I am also a huge Harry Potter fan. I, I grew up with the books. I've read them, seen all the movies, uh, starting to introduce our little guy to the whole world of Harry Potter. Nice. Um, so when when we found out the show existed, I immediately was drawn to it and went, okay, what what is different about, because I mean, there's so much fan fiction mm. and there's so much that's been done and that is out there. Um, but what really drew me to this show is that it's throws you way back to the 1940s. And it's, it's essentially um, a cheeky take on Tom Riddle's origin story. Um, and everybody loves a good origin story. So it's, it's that world, but it's kind of a darker, naughtier version of it. And the script is hilarious. <laughs> like, so funny. It's, um, it's a very well-written script, and it, it um, grabs you from the moment you walk in um, and... It just doesn't let you go for a whole hour, and the oh. cast has to get through laughing at each other in order to <laughs> in order to rehearse because there's some things that are said that are just absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, it's just a really great and entertaining take on why Tom Riddle is Voldemort, or why why he became Voldemort. Um, and so, yeah, I so think... it wasn't a careers counselling thing at school. <laughs> Oh, uh, you, know, you know, look, probably a little bit of that and there's always a broken heart as well. I definitely like what I'm hearing. Um, hey. Now, Sarah Louise, you're directing it, is that right? Yes, I am, yeah. And Ashley, you, you have a role in it. I am. I'm playing Moaning Myrtle. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a really fun one. Yeah. <laughs> so Moaning it's Myrtle's... a lot of fun. In it, um, can you? What sort of characters? Who who are we likely to see popping up as part of the show besides the obvious um, Tom Riddle character? Mm-hmm. So you have Moaning Myrtle. You will have Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have uh, Tom Riddle's girlfriend, who's being who is a Hufflepuff. 
you know being able to do your own thing a little or have some new stuff in there as well as the familiar stuff for fans exactly. to grab onto and exactly. it's a musical as well um, yeah. <laughs> tell us a bit more about that element what kind of style and pizzazz are we are we expecting well this is a rock musical okay. so which which is a, which is a joke in and of itself because one of the characters is go what's rock it's the 1940s um but so we start off with this very sort of andrew sisters type of you know sound and then we go into this very sort of hard rock uh myrtle you know is a little bit inspired by britney spears or was the inspiration for britney spears <laughs> i think to say it's um, so yeah, so it's it's basically like think of coming to your best, you know, rock pop musical in the nineteen forties, but they're wizards and witches, so that makes total sense that it would happen there. <laughs> I, I know this. Yeah. This is what they call wizard rock. That's wizard rock. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I understood that reference. Rob, you get so good at your Harry Potter stuff. I'm very proud. Um, wizard rock. So I guess with the joys of sort of having um, like your Harry Potter world to play in, I mean, there must be some challenges that come along with that as well. Mm. What are some of the challenges of doing a show like this that's kind of an established kind of property? Um, I think one is you want to make sure that uh, as much as you want to make fans feel at home, you also want to shock them and give them something new as well within a safe place, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I don't believe in recreating which, what is already established. I think um, if you've got the bare bones of something that's wonderful, but you have the ability to package it in something new and fun and entertaining, you should always try and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think any response is a good response. So of course, we've got our diehard Potter fans that have looked at this show and gone, that's not right. Um, <laughs> and I love that they're invested enough to say that that's not right. Mm. And then you've got the people who are like, Potter, I oh, can't be bothered, but it sounds funny. And they come and they go, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. And I never knew that those things were in the show. Mm. And they want to know how those characters are linked and why they're saying those things. So um, it's honestly, it has, it's been exciting in order to do it. It hasn't felt daunting in any way. Um, so, yeah. Look, obviously, if you have to put it into into mothballs for for a while, um, yeah. do you have do you have the capability to do that? I mean, sets and costumes and so on. Uh, how do you store those? <laughs> well, my garage. Grassroots, <laughs> <laughs> we are. Um, yeah, look, we, we we certainly have the capability. I think. In terms of storage space and kind of packing things away, we can certainly do that. I think that the bigger challenge will be um, working together with everyone to make sure audiences who've purchased tickets already can still come to mm. see it if it changes shapes. And then, of course, making sure our team is all available once again because we love these guys so mm. much. We wouldn't want really to do it with anyone else. 
Yeah. What yeah. is that's a good point. What is a good um, place for people to find out either who have tickets or are interested to get updates, more information, things like that? Where can they contact or look up information on the show? Uh, TheatreWorks. So they're basically um, so on the TheatreWorks website, so mm-hmm. theatreworks.org.au. I got that right. Um, they have um, a full statement that has been released that has all the information that you need if you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm, I know that show's going on, but I don't feel safe and I don't feel comfortable in going to see that. Um, they've got all the links and details that you can do to follow up um, on tickets on either. Um, whether it is that you want to give your ticket to another show or you want to return your ticket or you want to go, you know, so find out find, find out how they're sanitising the venue for your own health and things like that. Um, mm. They've got that all on their website. Um, and they're, they're great to talk to as well. They've been really helpful in this situation. So, Perfect. Yeah. Um, and I guess yeah. another thing you mentioned earlier about the arts, and obviously it's a difficult time for everyone, but the arts in particular um, will mm, face yeah. some unique challenges. What are some ways that people, you know, making their own decision of what they want to do for their own safety and so on, how can they still support you? What are things to keep in mind to try to kind of get us all through this time as best as possible? Um, I think the look, the biggest thing that I would suggest is that if you are someone who is within the financial position to do so, would be to donate your ticket back to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know some, for someone like us, which is a small independent company, one of the biggest challenges for us is that if we postpone, how do we recast and repay mm. our actors for another rehearsal process? That was our biggest and this still is our biggest discussion that we're having right now. Yeah. And for many other companies, um, you know, this is a fallout for them in terms of there is no safety net financially in order to pick up and make another show. So if you are in a position where you can, donating your ticket back to the company rather than asking for a refund will help those people tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there are a lot of artists now who are trying to find ways to live stream their art. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there has been uh, there is uh, an idea called the Festival of Self Isolation, which I believe is a word I see <laughs> coming around yes, like, yes last night. Um, and also there is another idea of artists being able to have Facebook Facebook Live. So you purchase a tip tickets to these private groups. They put on shows and they do things from their bedroom. I believe Broadway World did something similar where they had performers singing from their lounge rooms and doing small shows. So that's something that we're looking at doing here. Yeah. So people can seek things out. I think we live in the world of technology. I'm sure lots of interesting, innovative stuff's going to happen. So I guess, yeah, the word is just keep your eyes and ears out and people can still find it. Keep your eyes and ears out and um, if... And I will say, if someone is on, um, someone is still trying to get through it and perform, like we are, um, uh, try, if you can and if you feel safe and if we're making you feel safe, please come out and support us um, because we would love that if you could come out and see us. (laughs) We'll make you laugh during some hard times. Make you laugh during a hard time. (laughs) We still need a bit of joy, don't we, in in these times? (laughs) In in respect to all this, it feels to me like, like really, we're interviewing you almost for a crowdfunding project that's <laughs> potentially still going on. And I, I did, you know, I mean, with all due um, respect and and love and and consideration for all of the people out there in the the mm. arts industry, which is very much a gig economy. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, that's 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 a really important thing that you've been able to tell us. And what I'd like to say is, if you 
um, roll on into the production uh, mm, in, term, yep. in terms of presenting it uh, in the in the in the near future or even the distant future because that's always an option on zero G. Um, get, get back to us mm. uh, and we'll continue oh, on. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank definitely. You so much. I appreciate yeah. that. Definitely, um, definitely keen. We've been chatting with um, Sarah Louise and Ashley from Salty Theatre. They are presenting Voldemort and the Teenage Hogwarts musical parody. Uh, still going ahead at present, but check TheatreWorks' website for updates on that. Um, Rob, do you have anything else? No, I'd just like to thank you very much for, for coming in. Uh, um, over the over the airwaves, <laughs> as, it, as it were, and thank you. And I just wish we thank could. Thank you we, for the support. I wish we could make the problem go away of a wave of our, our yeah. wand. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so do we? We've got seven of them here right now. We're doing our darndest. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I mean, if we learned anything from Harry Potter, it's that there are dark times. We can get through it together, and it's about community spirit, teamwork. You know, I'm going to get all teared up. I just think Harry Potter has a lot of great <laughs> messages for us. Um, and yeah, best of luck to you guys and thinking of everyone in the arts at the moment and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. And thank you, Megan, for working out the uh, the bulk of that. No and I, I think it was I think it was very important for us to, to continue on with that one. I think so. I think it's it's good to get a bit of perspective too on the effects different effects that these things are having. Obviously it's it's you know, there's a lot going on in the world right now, but I definitely like to hear about the different things people are facing and how they're getting through it and how we can try and support in our own little way. So I'm really happy we still got a chance to talk to those guys. Um, check it out and see if you can still support them if it's now or in the future. I think it sounds like a pretty cool show. So, Well, I've actually just come up from my um, lair on the seabed, my my uh, underwater habitat. Yes, freshly renovated from, underwater habitat. From, from Sea Lab 2020. And so I've oh, just surfaced and... And I'm just wondering, was it worth coming to the surface? <laughs> Let's have a, a track now. Um, this one, this one actually has got an aquatic uh, influence um, from a film that I actually enjoyed quite a bit when I saw it earlier this year, uh, Midway. And this is from the original motion picture soundtrack. It's all or nothing at all. And you know that that applies to the to the arts at the moment. It, is, it isn't actually all or nothing. Mm. There are many ways forward, and and uh, if the creativity of the people who are inspired to entertain others is anything to go by, they will find ways to ensure that the show goes on. Absolutely. And this is any trousseau with all or nothing at all. This is China Mieville, author of Perdido Street Station and The Scar, and you're listening to Zero G on 3RRR FM. Actually, just listening to that China Mieville ID card there, I'm... I'm wondering why, when, when the uh, the technician put it together, they chose to have, like, crackling bacon underneath. And it may not be. It might be, like, um, squids or something mm. or, or plankton. Or, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we had uh, All or Nothing at All, Any Trousseau Very from nice. the Midway soundtrack. Mm. Hmm. All right, so we were talking about um, uh, the, the Republican in the room, <laughs> which is to say the the shutdown of arts and entertainment events, mm-hmm. um, not entirely across the board because it's a big world. Uh, but and sports. I mean, I know that's not our jurisdiction here, but, yes, sports have been affected. What? <laughs> I, I do not know that word. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, obviously other people can yes. work on that. Uh, and I think looking at some of my typical haunts like the State Library and the NGV, mm. 
Uh, and local and national science fiction and fantasy conventions have been hit too. Gaming conventions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I haven't heard this morning when I checked the World Science Fiction Convention in New Zealand uh, in July is still going ahead, but mm-hmm. that's a fluid situation like yep. everything. Yep. Uh, by the time I'm speaking this, who knows? Who knows? Um, and that's a tricky one because it's in New Zealand. So if you're going from Australia and we've still got the same thing running, then you'd have to self-isolate for two weeks there and, and back. coming back. And that's four weeks. I mean, you wouldn't be worth your time, would it? Well, anything for science fiction, I say. <laughs> but that makes it tricky. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure, you know, if you go to the WorldCon site, you will be updated as they go along. And I was just thinking as a futurist, um, what effect this will have on future civilization. Um, and no, I'm not going to say if any, uh, the, cause we not really that civilized to start with, are we, when you think about it, True. but you know, like, um, uh, cash is already sort of on the, on the way out. Mm. Um, and cash is actually fairly hard to handle and disinfect in crises like this. And, and, and you can imagine that this will further sort of um, degrade the utility of cash. Yeah. You know, quite literally in hand. Mm. Well, and the dollar's falling anyway, so <laughs> yeah. in general. Yeah. And nobody's going to pick it up because it'll be contaminated. And then there's the uh, working from home, which mm. is heavily tied into into the ability to be online. Yes. It's just as well we have a robust and efficient and fast NBN. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm on work from home duties now myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's there's a lot of stuff happening. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like I said, don't panic, geeks. This is what we've been training for, you know. So, um, and, and streaming services, we're all fully armed with, yes. with fully operational streaming services. Even though things are being paused, so you're going to have to make do with what's available or nearly available for the time being because they've paused productions, both Disney and Netflix. Oh, and, you know, we were speaking about um, Harry Potter before. The production of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child at the Princess Theatre is going is suspended. Yes. I wondered about this this morning, actually. At least until um, Sunday the 12th of April. Okay. And they'll review that then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Widespread across the US, of course, and some in Australia mm-hmm. too. Uh, I mean, we all sort of got... It was like the harbinger of the apocalypse was Tom Hanks's, yeah, and his wife, and everyone Rita was Wilson. kind of like, "Well, if Tom can be taken down, yeah, they're all right." Yeah, they're fine. They're isolated as they should be, doing the right thing. And of course, Rita Wilson is Tom Hanks's partner, so he has Wilson in his isolation. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. <laughs> of course, um, actually, when we were listening to our uh, our guest before, I heard a dog barking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and the World Health Organization has said that dogs cannot transmit it at the moment. At least that's what I read on a meme, so it must be true. It must be true. So it was was, on the in, it was on the internet. Yeah, so there's an example of who let the dogs out. <laughs> anyway, um, all Apple TV Plus and Netflix in production in Canada and in the US mm-hmm. are um, on hiatus. Uh, it doesn't affect anything that's already online already. Yeah. Uh, it's not that kind of virus. Um, but, Don't jinx it. <laughs> but some kind of some some of the shows affected across everybody's uh, networks. Um, yes, tell streaming. us. For all mankind, season two, oh. the next season of Stranger Things. No. Uh, Mythic Quest. Do you know that one? No. It's a fantasy series. Mm. Um, Fargo. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, Grace and Frankie. Oh. 
and ironically, uh, why the last man, which is a, a post-pandemic series where yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all of the all of the men but one. Are, are that wiped was out. not released yet, though, was it? No, but it's in production. So. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say we haven't even got any of it. Young Sheldon, um, future seasons of Batwoman, uh, Russian Doll, the second season oh. of that. The fantasy series Wheel of Time that was just sort of gearing up. Oh, wow. I didn't even know they were doing that. The Flash, Riverdale. Uh, and here's where it really hits home for me, Marvel. Yeah. Um, the Shang-Chi, is it uh, Fists of Kung Fu production mm, mm. up in um, up north, uh, except for some second unit shoots, I think. Um, that's that's um, not, not ceased, but, but paused. But paused. Uh, and the television series Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. Now they were uh, over in Prague, and uh, so they sort of bringing bring that back to I think the Atlanta um, based studios, mm-hmm. uh, and they actually had a, a bad run of it because they had an earthquake in Puerto Rico when they were filming this. So you know, uh, and releases for um, for films that are already done. Yes, and in the Pushed. can uh, Milan. Oh no! Yeah, pushed. Pushed. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, New Mutants. Which is not unusual considering how many times that's been already Well, I think on. they're used to it, yeah. Uh, a Quiet Place too. Yeah, bumped. Yep, to an even quieter place. <laughs> the next Bond film. Yep. Uh, and other franchises like Mission Impossible and Fast and Furious. And we still don't know yet about um, uh, Black Widow. Mm. Now, well, I think that's... That's May, end of April mm. into into May. Mm. That's a little bit of time yet. That's probably why they haven't announced anything. Mm. But think about all of the um, the other movies that will stack up behind these. Yeah. It's, it's a complex sort of situation. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and, and this affects us geeks. Yeah, you know, yeah. Where we live. But I was also thinking that, uh, as in the gig economy, there's a lot. Else, riding on 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 these productions too, like there's merchandising that that follows in their wake. A whole lot of other things that are stalled. Well, there's probably issues with merchandising as well, depending on where it's manufactured, manufactured. and so on. Anyway, so yeah, um, yeah, kind of a long line of dominoes here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we'll have another track here. And I did also see that Dark Mofo, the festival in Tassie, is cancelled as yes, well. Yes. Um, and David Walsh actually did put out a very, I think, well written statement. It's very frank. Um, so look that up if you have a chance. Mm. And, and yeah, and once again, it's it's really hard on um, the arts and entertainment in particular because it is such a, a casual basis and mm. contract contract work. Mm. And it's like um, I'm not sure if this figure holds true for everywhere, but it's like two thirds of the arts and entertainment industry are on contracts and casual basis. It's true. Which is higher than most other industries put together. And my partner works in the arts and, yeah, they're having a pretty tough time of it at the moment. So mm. thinking of everyone out there. Mm. And there there are um, uh, some available helplines that people have set up. Uh, there's actually one that's called um, I've Lost My Gig, which oh. is keeping tally of these things. So there is a record of it. Okay. Well, uh, that, that's good. And that's actually that's actually internet based, and of course the usual sort of uh, lifelines and, and so on. Yeah, so keep that in mind, folks. I think there's a lot happening at the moment, so just try and take care of yourself and mm. do what's best for you. So 
Uh, we were talking about Birds of Prey, actually, while we were listening to a track. <laughs> yeah. And there was a track I meant to play uh, when we were doing a review of Birds of Prey. And I'm not even going to go into the I heart, think we ran on – we just enjoyed talking about yeah, it too yeah. much and ran out of time. Let's just call it the Birds of Prey soundtrack album and not go for the subtitle. Mm. Uh, oh, and this yeah. is by uh, Journey Smollett Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a man's, man's, man's – did I do three of them there? Yes. Man's, yes. man's, man's – yes, three. World. <laughs> um, featuring Black Canary. Triple R. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet zero. G comes last. Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. Yeah, Journey Smollett Bell with Birds of Prey, the album. Great track. Mm. Um, she played Black Canary, didn't she? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very talented. Yeah. I'm glad she didn't push the levels <laughs> in, into that. I know, could have done our eardrums. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of, uh, of watching things on streaming, which is, you know, a self-isolation kind of thing, social mm-hmm. isolation. Social, this is Sean Connery. <laughs> Social isolation. <laughs> Altered Carbon season two. We were talking about that uh, the other week. Mm. Uh, it has, has dropped on Netflix. I've blitzed through all of season two of the Richard Morgan book adaptation. Um, I enjoyed it just as much as season one. Many of the characters are back, even if they're not the same actors playing them because they've been re-sleeved as they go there. Mm. Such uh, a clever, yeah, I mean, it's the classic yes, Doctor Who Doctor clever Who. device, right? There's an animated movie too. Oh, is there? Yeah, the trailer's on, on Netflix at the moment. It's called Re-Sleeved and uh, Takeshi Kovacs is in um, going to be protecting a, ta- a Yakuza tattoo artist from killer Techno Ninjas and SeaTac soldiers on the planet of Latima. And that's been written by uh, Dai Sato, who did uh, Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex. Wow. So some pretty that's impressive talent some good, involved uh, in that. stuff on the resume. I think that drops on Thursday. And something else I heard, um, Disney Plus's fast-tracked Frozen 2 to mm-hmm. be streamed. Okay which was going to originally be popped up somewhere in mid, the mid, middle of the year. Okay. And now it's coming like this week. Maybe they're trying to help parents whose kids might be home from school. Oh, no, no, maybe about it. They were saying exactly that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. well, there you um, go. You know, something nice. I have, I mean, two minds about that because Frozen 1 was brilliant, great mm, songs and so mm, on. Mm, mm. However, mm. okay, if you're in isolation, if you've got your kids at home, and you've got this frozen. Do you want to watch that? <laughs> do, you, do you want to watch forever? You know, <laughs> exactly. Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. They'll take over your streaming and then we'll just be frozen too on repeat. So maybe. It's Disney's hope though, isn't it? You know, maybe you want to have a little accident with your NBN. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds a bit of a fret, doesn't it? Hey, nice NBN you got there. Be a pity if something happened to it. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, no one would ever say nice NBN you've got there. <laughs> no, n- not a bloody network is what I call it, my place. Anyway, uh, Doctor Who, mm. speaking of uh, regeneration. Yes. We have the two episodes that comprise the 12th season finale for the 13th Doctor. Mm-hmm. There is a special coming after that, but um, for, for now. Mm-hmm. Ascension of the Cybermen and the Timeless Children, the ninth and ten episodes yes. of Doctor Who, this Jodie Whittaker second season. Uh, and it was written by uh, Chris Chibnall, the showrunner, and directed by Jamie Magnus Stone. Now, Stone's a Scottish film director and animator, and um, he's actually um, the son of Scottish broadcaster Sally Magnusson, 
and film director Norman Stone and grandson of somebody who meant a lot to people who are watching documentaries, uh, Magnus Magnuson. So quite a bit of uh, credit to this person's direction. Okay. And I actually think they did a pretty good job of directing these two stories. Yep. Which um, uh, essentially were following up on the, um, the Cybermen, uh, the, uh, the lone Cybermen story arc that we'd established when they were um, earlier on having uh, an adventure with the occupants who were having that little uh, soiree by the lake. By Lake Geneva, you know, the Frankenstein mm, 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 birth. Yes, and yes. Lone Cyberman ended up being Frankenstein's monster, essentially. So they followed his thread through there, stumping through the, the, the space-time continuum. Big footsteps. Mm-hmm. And also play, sort of blended that into a, a Gallifrey, the Doctor's home world, into a storyline involving that. Yes. The Doctor's home world, or is it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we got some uh, sonic screwdriver drops or mic drops, as you could say, yeah. uh, in these episodes. And even I could tell that, even though there was some history there that I did not understand. It, it sent it sent space-time quakes through the Hoovian continuum, I, I have to I said to Rob, I was like, look, I can even tell that this has got a, this is a big deal, right? Like this yeah. is shaking the community. And he said yes. Hmm. <laughs> But but I put it through the uh, the zero g analyzer and, mm. and and found okay it's changed a bit it's changed canon as they mm. call it but I actually feel like it's just extended the range of canon yes agree and, and it also From has it has changed a little bit of um, the effect of the the, the character weight of, of of the doctor uh, yes and no well, I'll go there anyway they um they they do go to uh, the, the Gallifrey, where we and we discover that because the master's involved in it, we'll spoil this to Helen back, you know. Um, and and it, it, the master explains to the doctor that she's not actually a native Gallifreyan, <laughs> she's some kind of uh, other alien, yes, a question mark mm-hmm. hovering over her head there, yes, instead of attached to her umbrella, <laughs> which is what usually the doctor has a question mark on. Or, or a lapel badge, um, or even a sweater, <laughs> a novelty Christmas sweater. Anyway, um, so what we found out is that uh, the Doctor is not a native Shobogan, which is what they called the Gallifreyans because, before they come Time Lords, but um, um, he or she, depending on which incarnation you're at, was actually a timeless child found by a Gallifreyan space explorer, mm. uh, Tekton. And um, she brought this uh, timeless child back to Gallifrey and experimented with the regeneration character that the child had, as all mums do. I mean, yeah, I was a little bit like, yeah, like this what? is on the nose, if what? I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> but sure, okay. I mean, okay. I don't know what Gallifreyans are like. Maybe they're just seize opportunities. They do, actually. And, and found out the secret of those regenerations, which lie in the timeless child's DNA, Mm -hmm. and then grafted them onto the Shabogans, creating the Time Lords. As you do. Yeah, Yeah. allowing them to regenerate. Indeed. Um, Now, I have a couple of questions about that. (laughs) (laughs) Just a couple. The first question is, um, so the the Doctor is not from Gallifrey and yet had two hearts like all the other Gallifreyans. So that's a nice coincidence. Mm, I didn't know that was a thing, but mm. is that a is that a uh, a question that does answer itself? Like maybe um, 
the regenerations also took the heart thing with it, required two hearts to power it or something. So it was a, it was a, more of a, a biological DNA thing. Yeah, possibly. Or maybe maybe there were just lots of races out there with two hearts. They can make up anything they want to fit that, which they is do. kind of, yeah. I think where I have uh, – and the effect of this is giving – our doctor, a whole bunch of regenerations mm. we've never we are sort of unfamiliar with before the the William Hartnell era, the first doctor that we used to think was number one. So it is sort of opening. It's sort of what that J.J. Abrams Star Trek universe mm, did mm. by opening up these possibilities of mm. new iterations. Now, it doesn't wig my head out. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bust my brain because mm. I'm a comic book fan as well and we reboot those every five exactly. minutes. Yeah. We retcon them, that sort of we thing. We can't be precious about some things. I think some things we can be precious about, but in this instance, no. Um, and I like the idea that there are all these... Says other... a casual fan. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, you know, and I've been, I've been with the show since the 1960s yeah, too. Yeah. So it doesn't bug me at all. I, I just think, you know, oh, cool, extra mystery for the More doctor. More opportunities. A potential to perhaps do a, and I hate to use that dreaded word, a prequel oh, series. Oh, okay. Imagine yeah. that. You could do a, you could, an entire easily. season with a, a previous doctor. Um, it also may, opens it up to unlimited regenerations. Of course. Unlimited rice pudding, you know, rule unlimited the Unlimited money in the pocket yep. of the BBC. Yep. Lots, like at least <laughs> more action figures, mm. previous regens. More Sonics. More Sonics. Um, but away from the filthy Luca part of it, the, there's the... Uh, the interesting idea that um, if the Doctor did have all these previous re- regenerations, it may actually have been hinted at mm. before. There's a, there's a serial called Brain of Morbius. It's a Tom Baker serial. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy, as you can tell from Brain of Morbius, it's like a Hammer horror movie, mm-hmm. and there's a guy, a, a, a Time Lord called uh, Morbius, who's creating um, Morbius. creatures out of out of spare parts. So it's a Frankenstein yeah, monster right, right, story. Right. And in that, that story, uh, Morbius and um, Tom Baker's fourth doctor have a brain match where they're doing like a – Timeless can do this. They're like doing a mind meld thing with it. Yeah, she did that in this, yeah, right? Yeah, she yeah. did that. And they showed a whole bunch of flashed up pictures of other regenerations. Ah, now, yeah. that was 40 years ago. And the assumption was eventually that maybe, because they never really mentioned it again, yeah. it was just a, a one off. Throw away. Yeah. And it was like pictures of people in the crew. <laughs> you, know how they, you know how they do that. <laughs> That'd be such a good get if that was like your grandpa or something yeah. worked on that. Yeah. Um, there was an assumption, because they never went back to it, that later on, that maybe some of those, most of those. Um, Pictures were regens of the mass of Morbius. Sure. You know, so that kind of that kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, okay. But now mm. we can look back at that 40 years ago and go, ooh. Interesting. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Mm. And, of course, we've already had a, 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 a hidden regeneration of the Doctor with the War Doctor, mm. um, you know, with John Hurt's um, unnumbered character. I mean, is this also some kind of way to, I mean, this might be, I may be off the mark here, continue the series? Because isn't there something, they said something about doctors only have so many regenerations. Yeah, limited number of regenerations, although Matt Smith did get more. This is like, it isn't, wouldn't it be if you reach a certain doctor iteration? That would be meant to be. That's your last regeneration. Yes. Yeah. So kind this of. is kind of a way of being like, of course, surprise, surprise. There's more. <laughs> you can do as much as you want. I did also notice that the 
pre- the flashback regenerations were much more varied and multicultural and diverse than yes. what the I think that was an on purpose. And of course, well. that's had a that's had a an impact upon certain fans who already think that Doctor Woke is not a good idea. Mm. To which I say, Yabu sucks. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know the only. Um, problem with political correctness as far as I'm concerned is there isn't enough of it. I don't like the term political correctness. Yeah. I, I prefer Neil Gaiman's one, which is uh, being nice to people. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all I have to say on that matter. And since I've got the microphone and Megan has too. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> what we say goes. <laughs> <laughs> These are our, our weapons of sonic destruction. <laughs> so, yeah, um, there is uh, – actually, there's another one too. There's a, a comedy relief festival called The Curse of Fatal Death mm-hmm. and that also had multiple regenerations we'd never seen in a, in a comic sort of mode. There was, so we're not – in totally uncharted territory here. Richard E. Grant and Hugh Grant and um, Joanna Lumley, oh. amongst others. So you can just rope them in if you want to. Yeah, you know? wouldn't complain. Yeah, but I think one, the only thing that really froze me a little bit, and this is, a, this is not a, a binary situation, it's a yes and no. Mm. Um, I did like the old concept of the Doctor just being a Gallifreyan who got, yeah. you know, got wanted to see the universe and mm. just stole a TARDIS and went off. It's the old not special, special thing like mm. Ray, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, they've been, they've been pumping the old chosen one aspect of the character for a long time now and yeah. we and we sort of grown used to the idea that the Doctor actually is fairly special. Yeah, right. Okay. You know, so, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the controversy there. I'm all right with it. Uh, it depends on if they do it badly. Yeah, I didn't well, feel exactly. I did it it's badly. all in the execution, not the ideas. Mm. And they did have some great stuff in there. There's, you've got a favourite moment in those two episodes. Oh, yes, of course, Graham and Yaz. Mm-hmm. Uh, their little chat, I thought it was very – I mean, Graham is a great character. I thought it was such a lovely exchange. And I thought it was just such a beautiful thing that he said. And then there's also the comedy there of Yaz's response. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's Brad, Bradley Walsh playing Graham and um, – and Mandip Gill playing Yasmin. <laughs> and, and, and Graham basically does this amazing pep talk. Yeah. Saying how wonderful Yaz is. And, and Yaz says, yeah, and you're all right too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he calls her on it. But, I mean, I think that was a really nice moment. And I didn't feel sometimes those moments are eye roll moments and you're like, oh, you've just forced this in here. But I thought that was a lovely moment. I think genuine. And, and I thought the, uh, the, the master once again um, – Really being off the leash. Yeah, this is my question. I mean, how do you feel about I, – I mean, I've not seen any other Masters, his portrayal of the Master, because I know he's, like, a bit different than the ones you've seen in uh, the past, Miss, right? Missy was the last one before this one, um, I think. She's the one who's now in Riv, um, Sabrina, right? Yes, that correct. Actress? Yeah. And um, and she was great. I really mm, liked mm, her. Mm, but mm. Sa- Sasha's growing on me too, like some sort of penicillin mould. He's a bit, like, wild-eyed – is is that the master's vibe? Because he seems can very be because, um, rare to me. Uh, if we go back um, before Missy, there was a master who was equally unhinged. Okay, um, wobbly re- regeneration. You know. So that is a thing, and I guess it's like the Doctor, right? They come back a little bit different. See, there was a, a master uh, once. Oh God, where was this? Between um, Roger Delgado and Anthony Ainley's master, who was in the body of. Um, in a body that had decayed past that limitation. It was basically like a walking corpse. That's disgusting. And I think that's probably done a bit to make the master even loopier than he normally is. Sure. So mm. he's not meant to be like cool, calm, collected. 
there have been times when he's been mm. that. You know, I mean, certainly if we would have had Derek Jacobi play him for more than a brief moment, <laughs> I'm sure that would have been the way he was going to do it. I guess it's everyone's own take, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I thought the special effects in those two episodes were great. Mm, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's stuff that they can do on Doctor Who now. It's, mm. it's not a poor child to any other show. Their sets were great in that too. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. got to see all the inside of the cyber carrier. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Mm. There oh. was, yeah. And a spoiler. No, this is the, we're talking we spoilers said we'd here. We spoil, yeah. We'd spoil it. But as everything was crashing around and the, the Masters got his uh, – Com- hideously combined Cybermen and Time Lords, mm, the, yes. uh, the Cybermasters. The awful hybrid, yeah. But as that all goes down in flames, you hear, if you listen very carefully, the Master saying something like, this way, run. Uh-huh. And he's got a TARDIS too. <laughs> Interesting. And so I'm assuming that the Master escaped to live. Well, of course, another of day. course. Well, you, have, you know, age-old rivalry and all that. Yeah. You so, can't just have someone, you know, hmm. meet their demise like any old side character. Hmm. Oh, and the companions proved my long-standing rule when they um, they dressed up in hustout Cyberman shells. Yeah. There is no situation that cannot be solved by the proper application of armour. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's got a hollowed-out corpse inside. Yeah. I think they probably – I hope they had wet wipes and – Oof, yeah. <laughs> and Glen 20 or something like that. Well, that's about it for today for Zero Yeah. Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. And I would like to um, give a nod to the Triple R staff who have come up with a pretty good mm. action plan to deal with the current situation. Yeah. And also to – this is a nod to cleaners in general who are now frontline troops in the fight against COVID-19. Uh, unsung – but they, sh- they should be sung, which mm. may be the cleaning song, Sadie the Cleaning Lady, something like that. God. Anyway, but, no, but not today. Um, and it's really, really important that, and ironic that some mm. of the lowest paid workers and casuals mm. in, in, in the workforce are now there. We are only as strong yeah. as the lowest, in inverted commas, member of our community. Yes, that's you know, it. Something to remember there, and, and let's hope that we, we learn that as a future thing. I fear not. Well. But, you know. And speaking of uh, fear, I've got a little bit to go out with here, but we'll go out with Strangers When We Meet, which is a good thing for social isolation, <laughs> by David Bowie. And he actually has a line here about the, the dying world or something, but <laughs> don't take that to heart. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. Until next week, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. And that's 20 seconds, so you can wash your hands to it. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.